expert insight, clear analysis, strategy and action. Welcome to the CEO to CEO podcast featuring the world's top CEOs. The podcast will welcome honest conversations meant to challenge traditional ways of thinking from fellow global industry leaders. This podcast will also explore the intricate world of M&A from the insider's perspective. M&A is a big deal, one in which you can drive the future of your business, your industry, and even the trajectory of the marketplace. This podcast is hosted by Kevin Campbell, CEO of Synity. Synity is a global enterprise data solution provider specializing in data operations and data transformation. Kevin Campbell is a global champion in data and has served as the former group chief executive officer at Accenture and COO of Oscar Insurance Corporation. On this week's podcast, we sit down with Josh Moffitt, founder and president of Silverton Mortgage. Founded in 1998, Silverton Mortgage has grown from a one-person shop to a top residential mortgage lender and one of the nation's fastest growing financial institutions, operating in locations across the Southeast. But more than dots on the map, they count their success by what they give back to communities. In 2018, Josh oversaw the acquisition of Silverton Mortgage by Vanderbilt Mortgage and Finance Inc., a national home lender owned by Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway Inc. Josh is also a member of the Mortgage Bankers Association's Mortgage Bankers Executive Council. On today's uh, CEO to CEO podcast, we've got Josh Moffat, the uh, CEO and founder of Silverton Mortgage. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Kevin. Thanks. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you. And uh, how about you tell us, start, we start with a little bit of background on, uh, on Silverton um, and uh, a little bit about the history. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I would love, Kevin, to tell you we had this great master plan and I started this company, um, you know, 20 plus years ago from a passion that I had to get into the mortgage business and I grew up wanting to do that. Um, reality was I needed a job um, and that's that's kind of how we got started. Uh, I had, um, you know, graduated school, uh, followed a, a, a brilliant, beautiful girl here to Atlanta that was my girlfriend at the time and now wife and um, got in the mortgage business just by luck. A friend of a friend was hiring, took a job 11 bucks an hour making copies at a mortgage company and uh, within about a year and a half started to hear our, our company was going to have challenges and some liquidity problems and um, so I, I needed a job at that point. I had some student loans to pay and some bills to pay and uh, uh, somebody in the office uh, said, why don't we go out and get our broker's license and start a little company? And that's kind of how Silverton was formed. And then uh, tell me a little bit about what Silverton has grown to today. Uh, maybe a few numbers to how big you are. Yeah, you know, kind of depending how you're measuring, right? Um, we have a little over 400 team members uh, right now. Um, we're, we're licensed to do business in uh, 46 states and have roughly kind of 40 locations, if you will, uh, that are licensed to do business kind of spread out um, here in the Southeast, but, uh, you know, a few farther out uh, as you go out to the U.S. So uh, from, uh, from an idea and I need a job, to uh, a thriving, uh, growing company today. Pretty impressive story. And uh, how is COVID-19, uh, you know, that we're all dealing with right now, how has that affected the mortgage business today? I, you know, it, it was really interesting how it kind of uh, filtered into the mortgage business, you know, right? Kind of when it happened, you also have the CARES Act that was announced fairly quickly, right? For, for obviously a lot of good reasons to kind of support the American public. Um, but it, 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 it really challenged the mortgage business, having a, a foreclosure 
I'm sorry, forbearance offering to the public uh, that was really just kind of released really fast. And um, what happened was it really challenged a lot of the foundational structures of the mortgage business and um, really caused some panic and potentially liquidity crisis um, within that first kind of 30, 45 days of, of kind of that being announced. Um, the, the industry has kind of settled down since then, figured its way kind of through it, navigated it. A um, few sleepless nights in between for, for those, uh, those of us on the, on the front end. And then it was really interesting from there because, you know, most of the business said, uh-oh, this, you know, obviously this is a big deal. And, you know, are people going to be able to buy houses if they don't have jobs? And potentially not. Um, we saw interest rates getting pushed down, which was great and needed. So we really thought going into it, we were going to be doing a lot of refinances this year, but that was potentially it. And how was that going to affect our business um, in that refinances we were always a small part of our business. We were kind of a purchase focused shop. Um, so we kind of took a pause and said, wow, this could really impact the business this year. And then all of a sudden this kind of tsunami hit of both refinances, which we kind of expected, but the buying um, side, which was kind of just an unbelievable uh, event of consumers wanting to take advantage of low rates maybe being cooped up in their houses for a while with kids trying to work and going, this place is just too small for us. We got to get out. Uh, really created just this massive kind of buying uh, event as well this year too. So the, the, the mortgage business is kind of like a seesaw. You usually have uh, refinances, busy purchases, not so much, and then kind of flip-flops from there a lot of times. Uh, this year we kind of have a, a V-shaped seesaw with both sides just kind of booming at this point. Um, so it's been really interesting. That's, uh, that's great for business. How are you dealing with uh, the surge in volume? Um, you know, our supply chain, if you will, is people, right? We're financial um, services business. So uh, our, our supply chain is people. And it's really put a lot of pressure on our supply chain. Um, you know, with everybody being busy, we're all looking for good, qualified, talented folks. Uh, we tend to have... Um, uh, skilled trade labor, if you will. You know, these aren't typical jobs that you could just kind of fill, fill somebody from off the street. And so it takes a while to create um, some of these jobs. And so uh, it's really put a lot of capacity challenges throughout the industry, Silverton uh, as well, uh, because of that supply chain and, and just needing more and more people that that really can't be created overnight. So um, it's, it's, it's been uh, great for business, but tough on the people side of our business, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you've grown from, you know, just a couple people to, you said over 400 people today. How, how did you go about that growth? Did you do any acquisitions or, or acquisitions of our talent, acquires as they call it? Yeah, our, our growth, is, and, and we're, we're not unique in the mortgage retail side of the business, is really through acquisitions of sales teams and, and books of business, if you will. Um, early on, I don't know if there was much of a plan. It was just a lot of getting out there, being in sales, meeting people, uh, connecting, right, and networking, and, and kind of telling your story and hopefully finding good fits, you know, along the way. Um, and then I think as, as, as any company really grows and starts to mature from that, you know, kind of like toddler phase into, you know, the gangly teenager, right, which I think we stayed in that phase for a long time. Uh, you try different things. You you explore and you bring on somebody who maybe is just focused on that and, and expanding your footprint. Um, and you you have some successes and you have some failures and you try to find uh, what style growth works best for you. Um, 
but you know, during that 20 plus years, we haven't made a, an acquisition on the business side. We haven't gone out and bought a business. It's really been more on the sales team side of things. And how do you, uh, you know, I know you well uh, enough to know you have a strong culture at Silverton. How do you, how do you find people that are going to fit in that culture? And are there any little, you know, things that you keep in your mind when you're talking to sales teams to say, hey, th these group might be a fit and these ones won't be? Yeah, you know, fit is just, that's where the, the magic happens, right? And, and probably the hardest part of it, not just unique to the mortgage business, but, um, you know, the, the, the prospecting side has really changed through the years. You really had to used to get out there and know people and meet people. And now there's software that can tell me where strong performing teams are really throughout the whole country and what their book of business looks like. So that's become um, more of an open landscape than it used to be. You know, you didn't know what type of loan somebody did or, or were they trending up or trending down. And that's really now through data uh, at all of our fingertips. So, you know, that helps, but then you still have, as you mentioned, kind of the cultural piece and, you know, really that, that's what it's all about when it's all said and done. And we, we've had a lot of successes and we've had certainly some failures. And, and looking back, you know, chasing volume can get you in trouble. You know, if you're just going after the top guy or girl and, you know, really not asking the right questions and just seeing that number out there, um, you know, what you end up with possibly is a high performing terrorist, right? Right. <laughs> Do a lot of volume, but man, they leave a big wake behind them. And, you know, for, for our culture, that doesn't fit really well. Um, and so, you know, what we found is you got to speed up to slow down. You know, you got to uh, put them through a, a couple rounds of interviews by different people who are really culture cultural champions of your company and can ask those style questions. Um, and, you know, it's okay to say no. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to pass on somebody who you don't going to be a good fit. And that's real hard to do when you're young and trying to go your company. I think some of that just comes with age and maturity. You know, we, we all made bad decisions in younger, younger lives. A business is no different, right? That's absolutely. One of my mentors said to me one time, you're, you're, you'll be more known by the deals you don't do than the ones you actually do do, right? Yeah. So I think that's hard for all of us uh, to remember. Now, uh, two and a half years ago, you were acquired. Uh, what, what was your thinking when you, uh, when you went through that process? You know, for us, it you know, going into it, we weren't out there, you know, bidding ourselves out. You know, we were the size company where people would inquire quite a bit. You know, we were good size to buy and fit into other kind of uh, uh, corporations and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, so, we are, you know, our tires were getting kicked a lot. Um, you know, but I wasn't, you know, this wasn't an exit strategy for me or anything like that. And, you know, when our, when our parent company approached us, I kind of really thought it was going to be another one of those, you know, you'll take the call and politely decline, you know, and, and kind of go about your day. And, you know, I remember that first call I actually took in the car and I was driving and I, you know, I, I took the call and, and the way it was presented to me was this is going to be different. You should really, you know, kind of talk to these folks. And I remember like coming to a stoplight uh, when, when the call was over and really just sitting there. And I, I think I sat there when it was green for a few minutes and going, wow, you know, I, I didn't expect that. That was, that was different. And, um, you know, that went on for, for a couple months, really. We, you know, we were both taking our time um, in, in that kind of process. And, uh, you know, I think that that went on for maybe four, four or five months, actually. 
um, before we really got into that kind of the heavy due diligence, you know, purchase agreement. So um, it's, uh, you know, I have a little hindsight at this point, two and a half years in, and I think you never really know the intent of a buyer until you're, you're probably about two years in. Um, and, you know, I, you, you know, I've told everybody this, it's everything they said they've lived up to, if not then some, and it's, it's really just been a, a tremendous uh, experience for us. That's, that's, that's great to hear because there are many stories out there that aren't that, right? Yeah, certainly. Uh, what, did, what did they bring to you um, as you went through the sales process? I mean, what, what did they do to help you scale and grow uh, relative to channels to market or financial strength? Yeah, kind of all of the above. And I, I went into it with, once we got a little more serious, kind of six, seven, eight non-negotiables, I like to call them. And, um, you know, those were what provided us the growth in a lot of cases. I, I wanted to continue to run the business and, and stay on. Like I said, it wasn't an exit strategy. The culture had to fit. You know, we, we talk a ton about culture. Um, but I really wanted opportunities that were tangible, that could grow the business and not just here's a checkbook, you go do it. And so um, our parent company uh, really brought those to the table. And, um, you know, we're part of the Berkshire Hathaway family of companies, our parent companies, Clayton Homes, and we're, we're a, a licensed um, partner with uh, Vanderbilt Mortgage, who's truly our parent, but folds all into that mix. And, um, you know, the, the myth of Berkshire is, is, is true in that they really provide you opportunities, financial strength, uh, to grow your business, but they're not micromanaging it. Um, and, and we really got to see that, but also in that model, you know, you're talking to, to sister companies a lot of times uh, that you have opportunities, but you got to earn and win the business uh, just like if you were the outside. And that really attracted me to it all was that there's going to be opportunities that if we performed and did a good job, we could grow and uh, gain that business. And so they, they brought on four really channels for us to do so. That's excellent. Yeah. You talked a little bit about, you know, when you were, um, you know, looking at books of business, you could look at the data on performance. Yep. Um, when, when Berkshire was looking at you, they're known to be, you know, very detail focused. Um, and how important was your data uh, in that, you know, M&A process for you? Uh, I think it was huge. Uh, you know, we, we, we were a small company, uh, still are, but we we're small, even smaller then. And our parent company could really buy anyone in our industry. And there's roughly about a thousand of us out there. And so, you know, I think the, the data and our performance and our culture were really what got us to the table and, and kind of outperformed possibly our peers that they were talking to. Um, you know, we always ran our business like a big, bigger company when it came to the data side. And I think we were always kind of out kicking our coverage a bit um, and, and measuring a lot. And, you know, you're even seeing it now in this kind of work from home environment. You know, a, a, a business mentor of mine one time said, if you, if you don't trust somebody to work from home, you just don't trust them. Uh, you know, you, you got to measure and know what they're doing. But, um, and, 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 you know, we always kind of took that to heart. And so data was, was huge. You know, our, our due diligence was really long and they, you know, they're very thorough and you don't hear of a lot of Berkshire companies that get purchased and, and not work out well, right? So we certainly wanted to be in that category. And I think data had a lot to do with that. When you go forward here and you think about 
acquisitions. What role do you think acquisitions, further acquisitions might play in, uh, in Silverton's future? Um, you, you know, I think uh, they're, they're certainly in the cards and in the mix. You know, the nice thing about being, again, part of Clayton and Vanderbilt and Berkshire is there's not a directive of grow by X by a number of years, um, which is some, sometimes the case in kind of an M&A. So, you know, we really get a look at a lens that I've never had before that's, you know, five and 10 years out. And so M&A comes into all of that. Um, however, you know, just because you have a big checkbook doesn't mean you go out and spend money, you know, so it's got to be the fit. It's got to be all the things that I appreciated about our acquisition passed on to whatever we would do. That's, uh, I think, I think good advice. The, uh, what's your crystal ball say about what the next six months are going to be in the mortgage business? <laughs> the, the crystal ball these days, I'm not sure is crystal anymore with all that's going on in the world. Um, and, you know, I think every dinner party and barbecue I've been at in the last 25 years, everybody wants to know what rates are going to do, right? And what right. it's going to be. You know, that, that, the housing market tends to be a bit of a canary in a coal mine, you know, about a 12-month kind of forward look. And if you take just that, it looks strong, right? Housing uh, has rebounded from that initial dip. Um, we're still under supply based on demand. And um, the millennial buyer is really starting to enter the market in full, which has been a bit delayed, right? And so all the uh, statistics and what it's showing us lead us to believe that in the next 12 months, the, the housing market's gonna continue to be strong. Um, with that said, there's an awful lot of variables, right? That right now that you know you, you are pretty hard to predict, you know, how long does this continue with COVID? Um, you know, are we going to see, uh, you know, really high unemployment last long or is it more of short term? So, um, but, you know, as it stands today, it looks to be strong for the next 12 months with, with, you know, relatively low interest rates as well. How much does the presidential election and who gets elected here in the U.S., how much does that play into uh, to mortgage rates and, and what's going to happen? You know, I, I think... Um, Short term, you know, in, in, you know, by the end of November, is it going to make a big impact one way or the other? No, you know, certainly long term policies and, and things like that will come into play. Uh, I don't think we'll see a huge um, impact over these next six to 12, regardless. Um, but I think, you know, depending on who gets elected, you have different, you know, kind of policy opinions and how it could affect banking kind of long term. Um, that's a TBD, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, reflecting back on uh, your, your successful career so far and uh, the growth that you've had, what, what's, is there one piece of advice or two pieces of advice that stick out for you that says, hey, as the CEO, this is the best advice I've ever gotten from somebody uh, along the way? Yeah, you know, the, the, I never had that moment where somebody's sitting there and talking to me directly that I said, that's the, you know, that's the one I'm going to keep in my wallet, right? Um, but I was in a, um, and, and Kevin, you'll know the, the, the group I'm talking about, our Vistage group. Um, this was a couple years ago, and I was fairly new into the group and kind of learning, and there was a lot of, you know, just really impressive CEOs in there. And um, a gentleman named Ray Bishop was one of the CEOs, and Ray was one of these cool guys that you know, didn't say a whole lot, but when he spoke, you took out your notebook and, and kind of, he's like E.F. Hutton, right? When he yeah. speaks, people listen. 
And he was presenting on um, his company one day and he said, I forget how he phrased it, but he said, you know what, guys, I have hit every goal and milestone I've ever set for myself in business. But uh, sometimes the dates were just wrong, you know, and I, I took that, you know, and said, we get so wrapped up sometimes in quarters and months and days and all these kind of things. And really what's important is to set the vision and set the goals, celebrate the successes along the way. Um, and you're going to take steps back and forward and all those kind of naturally things. But, um, you know, it's really our job to do that as CEOs. And, you know, if you miss it by a quarter, it shouldn't keep you from still getting to where you want to go. And so I just, I just love that quote and have always used it, my, my planning and, and, and vision for where we want to take the company. Josh Raffet, Silverton Mortgage. Josh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, thanks for uh, a lot of good advice for our audience. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for joining the CEO to CEO podcast. Join us next time as we uncover data strategies to support mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures with the world's top CEOs.